All right, so this morning, like, this is such an interesting book. I mean, Job is a, is a really long book. If you're um, not familiar with uh, the book of Job, it's, it's a very sophisticated book, and it grapples with a lot of very basic uh, theological questions, but ones that we still wrestle with today, right? And if you're looking for, uh, for answers in the book of Job, you're going to be looking for a long time because the book of Job just doesn't really give us much to, to hang our hat on, but that doesn't mean that it's not sophisticated in its theology, if that makes sense. I think it's really, really interesting, and it brings up all these sorts of good questions. Most scholars think that Job is the oldest book in the Bible, uh, when it comes to how long this uh, book has been around in the tradition. And I, uh, I think that that is reflected in um, many of its questions. So to go through some of these questions, like, you know, like I said, why do bad things happen to good people? I, you know, Philip pointed out that right off the gate, like the lectionary includes 1-1 in order to say and show us that he was a good man. He was a good person inside and out. So the lectionary includes that in there just so that we know that all this bad stuff that's going to happen to him is not part of a, syst a mechanistic system of I do um, X and Y and then I get Z from God, right? Like this is a, a theological perspective that um, essentially says, you know, the, the universe and God and the gods operate in a certain way. You do this and you do this and then this means your life turns out that way. I think most of us probably have lived enough life to know that that's not really how things really work out. I don't know, maybe just me. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone's locked it. Okay, yeah, do what you gotta do. Um, right, so, so is, we don't have this sort of like, what I like to think of as the Joel Osteen prid quo, <laughs> quid pro quo of, uh, you know, um, God will bless you if you, you know, I one time listened to, to Joel, and if you like Joel, that's, that's fine, but one time I heard him say, like, if you give, he will bless you tenfold, and uh, that would be this mechanistic structure that uh, the book of Job is trying to answer, you know, some 6,000 years ago of, you know, if I do this, and if I do that, then God will do this, and Job is brushing up against that idea, that theological concept of how God operates. And also try to wrestle with just what kind of God is God, right? Like, like you pointed out, Vanessa, like, is God the kind of God that um, can be engaged or convinced, especially by, like, a force of evil? Uh, what is evil? You know, evil in uh, the book of Job is personified as uh, the Satan. But Satan in this uh, story, just to, like, side note this for a second, um, it's like a lowercase Satan, Right, so it's a uh, hasatan is the uh, Hebrew there, which is just adversary or accuser, um, prosecutor. Some translate it. It's not um, the sort of mythologized um, Satan of you know red horns and pitchfork type thing. Or if you're watching American Horror Story right now, um, that kind of like all powerful Satan that can go up against God. It's, it's, it's trying to wrestle with the question is, what is evil? And how do we, how do we understand it? How do we see uh, evil in the world? Because we, we look around and there's all manner of injustices happening. So how can we trust in a God when there's so much injustice around us? That's maybe another question that um, the book of Job tries to wrestle with. How do we res respond to victims of injustice? And this is where I kind of want to 
park our conversation today and really do some exploring. Um, so we're going to talk about um, victims and survivors today, because I think that's been in our public consciousness for the last two weeks. Uh, it's, I think, as I was thinking about this week, I couldn't get around not talking about this. And I think this Job text offers us a real insight into how we understand victims, survivors of injustice in our world. Uh, so Job is, in many ways, the, he's the archetype of victim, right? Innocent, blameless, and yet all of this tragedy befalls him. So we won't get into, you know, kind of like why Satan this or why God this. Uh, we're going to look at the response that he takes and then the response of his wife. So um, I have the message translation here uh, printed out, and his wife says, uh, um, his wife said, you know, still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? Curse God and be done with it. After he's like got all these ulcers and sores and he's scabbed head to toe, he goes and he sits down among the ashes, it says. And his wife comes to him after this tragedy befalls him. And it's like, why are you still holding on to your integrity? Which I think brings up the question, how do we treat victims of injustice? How do we treat survivors of injustice? Uh, this week, we've, the last two weeks, we've heard uh, and seen the brave victims of sexual violence that have come forward. Um, so I want to be careful and, and sensitive with my words this morning because I know that addressing this kind of suffering is incredibly painful and uh, we've seen how victims of sexual violence have been treated poorly, slandered, trivialized, not believed, or possibly worse. Um, we've proven as a culture that we might not care about this. Uh, so I really want to uh, treat this subject with the level of uh, seriousness that it deserves, but also um, with careful intention that uh, my words... Uh, come across as um, sincere this morning. Why are we still holding on to your precious integrity, Job? Curse God and be done with it. I was at the, the gym earlier this week, and I was listening to um, Anna Maria Achila and Maria Gallagher, uh, the clip that may, maybe many of you saw where they confront Jeff Flake in the elevator, and uh, I was in the gym, and I was just like listening to the news on my headphones, and I'm almost like crying in the gym because like you know they're, I have over-the-ear headphones, and their voices, like their pain and anguish, are like so close to my ear. I'm like, don't cry while you're on the treadmill, Ryan. Don't cry on the treadmill. These strangers will be wondering what's wrong with this guy. Um, but it's a, it's such a powerful. It's such a powerful moment. Um, it's such an honest moment. It's such a, uh, I think, a profound mo pivot moment for our culture and the way we talk and, and hopefully see victims of sexual violence. Um, and I just want to, to watch this clip real quick in case um, some of you have not seen it. 
I told the story of my sexual assault. I told it because I recognized in Dr. Ford's story that she's telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing someone who actually violated a woman to sit in the Supreme Court. This is not tolerable. You have children in your family. Think about them. I have two children. I cannot imagine that for the next 50 years, they will have to have someone in the Supreme Court who has been accused of violating a young girl. What are you doing, sir? I was sexually assaulted and nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone, and you're telling all women that they don't matter, that they should just stay quiet because if they tell you what happened to them, you're going to ignore them. That's what happened to me, and that's what you're telling all women in America, that they don't matter, they should just keep it to themselves because if they have told the truth, you're just going to help that man to power anyway. That's what you're telling all of these women. That's what you're telling me right now. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You're telling me that my assault doesn't matter, that what happened to me doesn't matter, and that you're going to let people who do these things into power. That's what you're telling me when you vote for him. Don't look away from me. Look at me and tell me that it doesn't matter what happened to me, that you'll let people like that go into the highest court of the land and tell everyone what they can do to their bodies. crazy. I think it's such like a a profound moment when she's like, look at me, look at me. It's crazy. Um, So obviously they voted to uh, confirm Kavanaugh uh, yesterday. And uh, I want us to think about how we listen to to victims. How How do we treat survivors? Uh, Job has suffered tremendous physical trauma, and his wife comes to him and says, you know, why can't you keep up this act of integrity? You know, curse God and just die. Um, And I can't help but think that that's kind of how we treat victims at this point. Um, And as Christians, we're called to better, right? We're called to listen to the cries of the oppressed. How do we treat survivors? Lindsey Graham yesterday after the vote said that, quote, um, I believe Judge, uh, Dr. Ford was treated well by the Senate Judiciary Committee. I think the roles were reversed, quote, the slut whore drunk was Kavanaugh. That's a leading senator in our country. It's unbelievable. Um, the way we speak matters. The way we talk about victims and survivors matters. It matters. Um, How do we view victims? How do we speak about victims and survivors of any number of trauma, whether it's sexual violence or uh, police violence and brutality um, against people of color? I mean, we could go on and down down the list of uh, manner of injustices that we face that we don't treat with the seriousness in the responsibility and the integrity and the ethics that Christians should have in leading these discussions. Job was honest inside and out, a man of his word, totally devoted to God. 
How many victims and survivors fit that description? Honest, innocent, devoted to God, and yet we're part of a system that um, responds to them poorly. How does our silence speak about our theology? Or how do, how do our insensitive responses reflect our theology? Our views on God, our views on how God operates in the world. Job, Job's wife wants to, him for, for him to give up his integrity, his character, his whole theological framework. But Job has this, he has this um, persistence of holding on to God in the midst of suffering. Not for any uh, reason that his suffering is part of a higher purpose, but his theology is a pure pursuit of God, life, and justice. Job was a victim. Dr. Ford was a victim. Anna Maria Achila and Maria Gallagher, victims. I know there are victims among us. As Christians, it's imperative for us to live in such a way that victims are not only heard, but believed. That victims matter, survivors matter. Jesus didn't announce his ministry to the powerful. He says in Luke 4, when he announces what his ministry, what his life is going to be about, he says, I've come to set the oppressed free, to bring good news to the poor, to the victim. Being a victim is not God's will or God's plan. Jesus shows us that God is found in the movement of rescue to the victim, the movement to the poor, the movement to the oppressed. That's God. And I, I have to think that God in Jesus through us is still on that mission today. For those who are being silenced, for those who are not believed, for those whom our society still says, I really don't care. Jesus is on the movement to set the oppressed free. Later in that same uh, verse from Luke 4, Jesus says, I've come to recover the sight of the blind. Where are we blind? To expose our blind spots, to see where we've missed the point. The God of the Bible is not on the side of the one in power, but, it's on, but God is on the side of the victim, the oppressed. The pursuit of justice in the midst of suffering is our joining God. It's a theological demand that God hold perpetrators of violence accountable in order for everyone to live with the dignity and respect given to them by God. That our culture and society can learn to listen to the voices of victims and act accordingly. Because I think that's important, right? Like, we obviously have this moment where Jeff Flake listens, but I don't know how much he hears. And I wonder if we're sometimes in the same boat. Like, we may hear things, but how much are we really listening? in order to act accordingly? What are we refusing to see? 
I think this is a question that's at the heart of Jesus's life and ministry. He is to the suffering one who lived and died senselessly for being a force for good, for justice, and for the victims of his time. Jesus listened to the voice of the oppressed, not only heard it, but listened. And just as the Old Testament says time and time again, God hears the cry of the oppressed. So may we listen to victims like Joe. May we hear the cry of the oppressed. And may our personal and cultural blindness be recovered and restored to more justice in our world today than yesterday. Let's pray. Loving God, we are often at a loss for words, a loss for why certain things happen, why injustice seems so pervasive um, in our personal lives, in our communal lives. And we pray and trust in the midst of suffering that you are on the side of the oppressed and that in order to find you, we too have to join you in the movement that is the rescue, that is the recovery of the side of the blind. Our blindness, the blindness that exists in our culture in order that we can all live with the dignity given to us by you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand.